Just a little love note to all of our loyal free cookie listeners and to anyone who might be new to the show. This is an ad-free podcast. And we want to keep it that way. We want to make sure that we can just give you guys the awesome content, the great interviews. and Without the stuff that you have to fast forward. But in order to do that, we need your support. So if you could join us over at patreon.com forward slash free cookies and become a patron of the show, there are many tiers that you can join. You can throw us a dollar, you can do five, and it turns out we're going to start putting some content up for those of you who are hardcore free cookie supporters. We're going to make this worth your while. So if there's some of you out there who just listen to the show, and you feel like, hey, you know what? I could, I could spend two, three bucks a month. Great. If you guys need a little something as incentive, we're going to put some videos up on Patreon that are going to be exclusive to those of you who are free cookie monsters. And I mean, we're talking some good content. Like I'm going to take you inside my sneaker closet, like that kind of content, you know? And I will contribute recipes and perhaps every now and then our dog will give you a soliloquy. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash free cookies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Bagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today, (laughs) on today's show, on the show today, I... (laughs) Just giving you extra time. Thank you for that extra time. Uh, We have Ellery Lloyd on today, which is a pseudonym for the married couple authors, authors in arms, married authors in arms, (laughs) Colette Lyons and Paul Blitos. And they are the dynamic duo behind the book People Like Her or People Like Her. People Like Her? It's just a double entendre. It's going to be up to you. And how do you see it? We will dissect how you see that title actually in this interview with Ellery Lloyd, as well as how they arrived at that pseudonym. So they're a tandem author, husband-wife team, and they came up with one name, Ellery Lloyd. So... Which y'all will hear in the interview that I spent an exorbitant amount of time trying to decode... Only, well, I don't want to spoil the interview for you. You were awesome at it. Thanks, I tried. (laughs) So we thought at the top of today's show, before we brought on Ellery and Lloyd, Lloyd and Ellery, (laughs) Dumb and Dumber. No, they're not Dumb and Dumber, but Lloyd is the name of someone in Dumb and Dumber. Lloyd's the name of Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber. Okay, so Ellery Lloyd, if you're listening, that's what that was about. (laughs) (laughs) So Kate and I decided it would be a fun little opener for us to come up with our own pseudonyms if we were to co-write, which actually, fun fact, we did go through a brief phase when we first got together where we thought we were going to co-write a book together. Well, actually, we have gone through a recent phase where I am (laughs) perpetually begging you to write something with me because I actually feel like the merging of our brains would produce the perfect book because- We are a good yin and yang. I like- to get in there and I care about, not that you don't, but I love even more careful, just like the careful. structure of each sentence. I just want to like edit and look at sentences. And I could care less about the structure. I'm like, screw that sentence. Give me a good story. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> just let me praise myself for a second here and then I'll praise you. And you have an imagination that far supersedes anything I could even dream of. There <laughs> we that? go. Give me a run on sentence and I'll... 5K all over it. (laughs) (laughs) So that aside, my perpetual begging of my wife to co-write something with me, we each came up with a few options for our pseudonym. And there is, this is a little bit like the episode with Lovey and the hype names, because there is an actual structure that you'll hear Ellery Lloyd discuss on the podcast that like their publishers were like, listen, it's a, you got to be a multiple multi-syllable first name followed by like a one syllable last name. Like that's what works best for pseudonyms. So there was some structure to it. There also seems like there's so many authors that, so Victoria Schwab, for example, Yeah, there's Victoria Schwab and then there's V.E. Schwab, same person, but she uses a different name for her adult fiction versus her YA. Yeah. But there's always something about the abbreviation yeah. that feels very um, mysterious. Maybe that's because of J.K. Rowling and she yeah. just like got that party started. It Well, uh, 
the acronyms, like the initial acronyms, they're, they're, they're genderless usually. True. So it adds like an element of like uh, a cloaking for the author. And okay, this may be one of the stupidest things I've ever said, but does it ever take you a while to figure out whether something is one or two syllables? Like mm. V.E. Schwab. I was like Schwab. 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 <laughs> Schwab. So sometimes I'm like, it's no, it's kind of two. Sometimes I'm like, Schwab. no, it's definitely one. That's one. You think it's definitely one? That's a Schwab. No, it's like actually one. It's Schwab. <laughs> Schwab. Sometimes if it's like more than four letters, I'm like, it has to be more than one syllable. But I think that was me. And I think it does qualify as one of the dumbest things I've said. Well, which only sets you up for success. So why don't you tell me what the first okay. pen name. Okay. This is the first pen name. Nom for de plume. Nom de plume, which makes me hungry. But okay. The hmm. first one I came up with was Angela Cersei. Oh, um, wait, is this my nom no, de plume it or would ours? Be ours? But oh, tell I, me more. so I wanted to obviously pick a Greek goddess. Roman goddess character within the Odyssey <laughs> Iliad world, and I got you. Cersei was one of them, I believe, and then Angela is your one of your middle names. What, where do you see yourself represented well, in that this name, one, Well, th- this is the first one I was wrote. This, the, this was dedicated to me. This more. is one I wrote, and I thought, like, well, since your imagination is superior to mine, we'll give you more credit in the Plome de Noom. Okay. In the Noom de Plome. So does that mean I get to deliver my first yes, one? Yes, go for it. Okay. My first pseudonym for our co-writing adventure mm-hmm. would be Kobe Starks. Oh, my God! This is great! <laughs> <laughs> look at this! <laughs> <laughs> Producer Lindsay, look at this. Kate has it written down as one of hers. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, you can't read this, but the next thing I was going to say was that Merge. I feel like this is a how well do you know your partner test, because <laughs> yes. a couple of these I thought, I wonder if my wife will have it. Okay, sorry. I, and for anyone who's like, who the hell is Kobe Starks? Kobe Jones, the famous soccer player who I grew up adoring, and then John Starks, the famous Knicks was Kate's favorite player as a mm-hmm. child. So that's kind of our childhood favorite athlete, which naturally, wow, go team. Go. We are good wives. Mm. Good wives. Merge. All this right. is a pandemic merge situation. Although this could have happened pre-pandemic. It's true. Um, okay, so I'm going to skip right over Kobe Starks, which I have written down. Um, so one of the ones I came up with was Lawrence Boulder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you grew up in Lawrence, I Kansas. I grew up in Lawrence and Kate went the to college home, in Boulder. Yeah, so I, just for our listeners, the home of KU, Lawrence, and then I went to CU, the home of the University of Colorado in okay. Boulder. So Lawrence Boulder. Okay. B-O-U-L-D-E-R. Okay. Okay. My Boulder, next one. Boulder. That's two syllables. I now. think you'll get this. this. This might be tricky. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Scarlet Grant. Scarlet Grant. Grant, G-R-A-N-T. Yes. Okay, um, Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet Grant. I don't know why. Okay, Dr. Alan Grant is from? The Odyssey. There's Frankenstein. Jurassic Park! Jurassic Park! Oh, fail, fail, <laughs> epic mixologist, fail. Is that why I'm not on the Jurassic That's Park team? That's why you're not on the Jurassic Park team. And then Scarlet, Mrs. Scarlet from Clue, my favorite movie. Oh. And I, board game of all time. I couldn't get past Scarlet Johansson. That's okay. Um, that was a tricky one. This, I just kind of, I was sitting in our backyard, which is one reason I came up with this one. Um, Princeton Goldfish. <laughs> Goldfinch, sorry. Princeton Goldfinch. That is a snobby ass name. Yeah. So Princeton, because you lived in Princeton in high school. Yes. And then Goldfinch, because it's a beautiful bird. And then there's the added connection of Donna Tartt wrote the book Goldfinch. Which you she, love. Yes. And, and she also wrote Secret History, which you know no likey. No, I wanted to yeah. love it. But it's also like, what kind of book would Princeton Goldfinch write? Princeton Goldfinch would be doing some super esoteric rewrite of The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. Okay. We could do that together. We could definitely do Do you do have that. any more? I do. Okay. My final one is Avery Glow. It's very close to Ellery Lloyd. Ave, Ave, you got this. Avery Glow. So Glow, I feel like, comes from Yoga Glow. No. Glow. Think harder. Every morning. <gasps> Ever 
Glow. So our song together is Coldplay's <laughs> Everglow. Oh, that's so good. But nothing will top the, this moment of Kobe Starks and us both having Kobe Starks <laughs> almost tops, but doesn't quite top when we had Emily Danforth on and you guessed the inspiration for her protagonist, which if you haven't heard that episode, peak podcasting plain moment, bad heroines. Um, all right. Should we bring on the gnome de plumers? Gnome de bloomers. Ellery Lloyd. <laughs> Ellery Lloyd is the pseudonym for London-based husband and wife of writing team Colette Lyons and Paul Vlitos. Colette is a journalist and editor, the former content director of LUK, and editorial director of Soho House. She has written for The Guardian, The Telegraph, and The Sunday Times. Paul is the author of two previous novels, Welcome to the Working Week and Every Day is Like Sunday. He is the program director for English Literature and Writing Creative at the University of Surrey. Okay, so Colette and Paul, I wish you could see my notebook with questions for you right now because it kind of looks like a Dan Brown novel. Um, (laughs) Hieroglyphics. Well, I've been trying to decode your pseudonym (laughs) and I I have been looking at both of your names, trying to decide if it's, you know, a mesh of your names together. And that's definitely not what's happening, although there are a lot of similar letters going on. I've been on Google Translate because I got L and I was like, maybe it's she and he. Uh, That doesn't (laughs) seem to be flying. So um, I would like you to put me out of my misery (laughs) and explain how you came up with the pseudonym Ellery Lloyd. I feel really bad now because it's nothing anywhere near as clever as uh, (laughs) you're assuming. Basically, um, there were a few discussions um, once our... um, with with our agents. um, So once we'd finished the novel, People Like Her, that we wrote together... Yeah. um, There were some discussions about whether we'd use both our names. Because, you know, there are are a few authors who have done very well uh, with two names on the cover, but it's sort of received wisdom at the time was that if you put two names on the cover, it looks like nonfiction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and people expect it to be nonfiction. So we uh, were told to come up with a pseudonym. So we looked through lots of kind of uh, maternal names, weren't, didn't we? Like um, names that had been in our family. Oh, yeah, family names. And none of them quite... Well, your family is Scottish and mine are kind of Greek and French, so they ended up like a kind of... Weird mishmash. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. didn't actually fit either yeah. of our... Um, so we, we sort of looked at that, and then um, we, we were told that long first names and um, short second names work, and we wanted Well, we were told the secret, wasn't it? It was um, three, three syllables. syllables oh, really? Name. Yeah. One syllable surname. Yeah, so that's <laughs> This the is kind a of, science. Uh, sequence, yeah. yeah. So Gillian Flynn is yeah, the kind of... Yeah, exactly. Or um, I now can't think of any other example, mm. uh, but, but yes... Um, and so we, uh, we wanted to come up with, uh, it, there aren't very many three syllable, uh, names, which could be a man's or a woman's name. That was the other thing we wanted, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So Ellery, uh, is what we landed on and Lloyd, because that sounded nice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound quite Welsh. It does also sound like Welsh. kind of impersonating. Uh, and it feels quite, it sounds quite nice to say. So I am, I am sorry. It's not a, uh, <laughs> Uh, also, meaningful. Ellery Queen. Ellery Queen was yeah. a oh. you know, who was actually two people. Yeah. So it was a name that various people used. Yeah. Interesting. So, oh. Ellery Queen, thirties, about thirties, kind yeah. of thirties, and, and post that uh, mm. a, a sort of duo crime writer. We only realised that after we'd sort of come up with the name, but yes, it no, seemed to. Oh. <laughs> I just picked it out of a baby book. (laughs) Totally in in sync. We've never read any Ellery Queen. I hope it's good. I have to compliment you guys so far on your ability to both tell a story, but not too much talk over each other. You guys, it was almost like you guys each alternated every 20 seconds because we were wondering how we were going to pitch questions to each of you, but it sounds like we could just throw out a question and you guys will joint answer it in a very seamless way. Just elbowing each other in the ribs. (laughs) (laughs) Two dogs in a (laughs) 
Well, I think uh, part of the reason we 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 pro- well part of the reason Catherine probably went down a rabbit hole thinking that she could rearrange rearrange <laughs> the letters was because we just watched Silence of the Lambs, and that is what Clarice does if, with her clues from Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> to clarify, not for the first time ever. Just no, 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 no. we were on Netflix, and it came up as a oh, trending. You know, yeah, all these old movies are trending. Who knows? Films. Um, <laughs> That, which I never ever do. We actually rewatched the talented Mr. Ripley oh. the other day, which is brilliant. We need I, to give I'm that another go. Yeah. Nine, yeah, give it another go. Well, so, so you two, how did you develop the perspective that you bring to the book on the influencing persona? Was it. Did you actually spend time on Instagram and like pull examples and decode them? Like what was your process of like coming up with a philosophy about how you wanted to talk about this influencing community? So uh, we had a baby. Um, (laughs) I followed a load of Instagrams. I mean, it's not very scientific, but it is true. Um, We've got a a lovely, lovely, wonderful daughter who is a terrible, terrible sleeper or was. And so um, I just spent an, an inordinate amount of time um, sort of blindly consuming um, Instagram, uh, never really inter- interacted with it. I know a lot of people do, but that wasn't sort of the way I consumed it. Um, and, uh, and we basically started talking about the idea that it was really ripe, a sort of really fertile ground for a thriller. <clears throat> so that was that was how it came about. I spent far too much time on social media. And I and I there was one particular insight that I had had having having spent time on Instagram and it was the idea having spent time on Instagram. <laughs> what, what was that too much of a past construct? <laughs> that feels so passive. Oh yeah. <laughs> having spent time and currently spending time on Instagram. Um this this insight that you had that influencers often are trying to say something really deep, but they almost always use the wrong word. Mm-hmm. But it's a word that like can kind is almost like tangential to the word they want. So this to me was such a fabulous insight because I'd noticed it somewhere deep in the recesses of my mind, but it never had risen to the surface. And then I read that line in your book and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. So can you kind of give me the for my own personal insight, can you give me the backstory on that particular kernel? <laughs> it was just something we'd noticed happening. <laughs> But I think that's one of the reasons that we thought we could write together, because that is that is one of the things that we'll do with kind of magazine articles or bits of writing. You know, we will go to each other. Oh, look at this. Have you this read is, this? Read this that. Is good. Or like, oh, look how this idiot writes. I don't think this? this is what they meant. You know, so that's so. always been something that we've rather <laughs> snottily <Yeah>. done. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you're reading, when you're reading a lot of influences and you'd be sort of, you know, uh, you know, we would look. At, at things people have written and kind of laugh at them and look at the <laughs> brutal y'all brutal it, no let it rip <laughs> this is great <laughs> but I think also it's um I, I found it really interesting because uh, so I, I um my background is journalism and magazines and um having never really used Instagram personally until we had a child and I was stuck under her feeding her or pushing her around the park trying to get her asleep um and so therefore constantly on my phone um I I had I had used Instagram professionally but but at various jobs um and it wasn't really about the captions then and I think it was because the captions actually were necessarily quite short there was a character limit and it was much more about the pictures and so people didn't feel the need to write Mm. these incredibly long lyrical um emotional Mm captions it was like look at my dinner or you know here are some nice shoes um and then and you know and I think I found it really interesting sort of once I dipped back into Instagram personally that these incredible like these essays were being written under um pictures which sometimes actually jarred with the content of the caption Mm -hmm. um and I found that dichotomy really interesting um so yeah, I, th- I think I think that was um, that was something I noticed as well, and, and we wanted to play on a little bit. Yeah, you it, with my background as a yoga teacher, the 
<laughs> uh, the yoga teachers in wellness world on Instagram. Yes. Uh, God bless them. Um, I mean, no, it, it's basically, it's getting marginally better, but there are just scantily clad yeah. humans in with both feet behind their head talking I mean, about hey, the I point of life. <laughs> if, I, if I could, if anyone would press like. Serious clickbait. But I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please don't. <laughs> well, I, I know we both have so many questions about what it's like creating and working together as a couple. And I, I think Colette, with your background in journalism, and Paul, with yours as a novelist and creative writing, in many ways it seems like both of you have jobs that are you, normally control the narrative as teachers yeah. and journalists. And I'm curious what it was like, A, as a married couple, to, to create <laughs> together. But, you know, did you, was there any, like, I'm going to be the journalist now and tell you what to do, or I'm going to be, you know, the professor right now and tell you what to do. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, let it rip. What happened? I think that it was really helpful, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were both, we both spent our entire careers uh, telling other people how to make their work hopefully better or mm -hmm. editing people's work to make it better. You know, and I'm telling people in workshops, oh, this will be really helpful to get feedback from other people. And, you know, part of being a writer is taking that on board and making use of it. So I had to sort of practice what I preached. And so actually we found it really beneficial. It, it wasn't, you know, I, I don't think there was a single point where I was bristling at feedback. Also, we worked, so from the second draft onwards, we worked in a Google Doc um, hmm. and... That means that you can edit the, the entire thing, um, but you can also see when someone else is <laughs> editing you. Um, so there was a lot of, oh, I like that bit. You know, you're in my chapter again. <laughs> I'm just polishing. This doesn't need polishing. So I think we were really lucky in that respect because we, were, we, we, we know how it works. We're fairly ego-free in that regard. Um, and, and also, you know, I think... I would hope that, um, you know, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't agree, but journalists that I've edited in my capacity, you know, as feature director at Elle in the UK, and I've worked at the Daily Mail and, and Stylist magazine, and um, that I, you, there's no one who, who's ever written a perfect piece of prose. Like, you, you, you know that, that there's always scope to make things better, and, and I hope that's what I, you know, did as an editor, and, and so I, yeah, yeah we're not pregnant. Precious, basically. And so, Colette, you can answer this first, and then Paul. What do you think your strength was during this during this uh, endeavor, and what was your if you had to name one? Like, what do you think was your biggest strength, and what was your biggest weakness in co-writing this novel? Well, I can use Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> that's your strength. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know where the hashtag was. <laughs> I didn't make a hashtag. We're about three, three chapters in. <laughs> Can I had to do a hashtag? So that was beneficial. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, and my biggest week. No, we need to go back to strength. Your strength can't be using Instagram, Colette. Like I know you're, I know you're British, and you guys do the self-deprecating thing. I'm, but, but I'm joking. Oh my god. Something, something. Um, so I think um, I. Um, my my natural so that the the books that I would read would pick up in an airport would you know my Kindle is full of are thrillers I love thrillers um, and any, any authors in particular that you love? Oh well, at the minute I'm reading Gone uh, not Gone Girl although I have read that and obviously that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just found Gone Girl. Have you guys heard of it? Unknown novel, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, uh, Girl A, which is amazing by Abigail Dean. I've got The Finish on My Bedside Table by Ashley Audrain. Um, if I Disappear by Eliza Jane Brazier as well. And Caroline Keatness's new book. So they're um, the, the new one in the U series. They're all on my bedside table. So that's my kind of um, favorite genre. Um, so I think, you know, whenever I had talked about writing before, that was definitely what I would um, veer towards. Mm -hmm. um so 
yeah, I would say plotting is is my is my strength, and but but also knowing where the hashtag is. <laughs> hashtag advantage. Yeah. <laughs> What's your weakness? My weakness. Yeah, thank, thank you, Paul. I was like, come on. <laughs> I'm much. <laughs> Um, I think it's probably um, I yeah I I (laughs) I tended to how would you put it sort of over internalize so um, I I I I, um, rather than I guess writing dialogue, I'm always much more comfortable with writing an internal monologue. So mm. I, I had, we had kind of externalised stuff um, a I bit more than... A, I think that's a weak, that was going to be my weakness. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Got the same weakness, but this is You know, I think, I think the other thing is, you know, working through and, 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 and fixing that, which I think we yeah. did. So, but yeah, it's, um, I think, that, yeah, that's probably as a writer of mine. All right, Paul, you're up. Mm. Oh, what are my strengths? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, what did I bring to the party? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, we know it's not dialogue. We've established that. There's a lot of inner monologues that you both wrote. Oh, you're going to say my work ethic. No, well, I mean, yes, that. Your work, work ethic is extraordinary. I mean, I, you know, I'd always known that applying bum to seat was basically the key to writing a novel. Um, and yeah. if there's anyone that ever would show that that's true, it's Paul. I, I, I absolutely, the book would not have been written um, unless Paul was cheerleading because the applying bum to seat bit is the bit that I find the hardest, actually. So once I've sat down and I, I, I knew that I could write 750 words in two hours, so that would be my, um, that's, that would be my sort of day's writing. Um, but it, you know, you you can sit. I don't know. You're, it pulls pulls definitely much more. Um, I'm very good at sitting down. <laughs> He's a great <laughs> great at putting his butt in a seat. That is Paul. Uh, sit down. Yeah, you know, since I'm there, I'm well write a novel. Um, but also, like, in, I think sorry, we're sort of doing each other's strengths. But Paul's incredible breadth breadth of knowledge in terms of literature, I think, is is really, really, really useful um, and interesting and. Um, hopefully sort of elevated um people like her well, not elevated that's not fair but but makes it slightly different from from a, a, a an a the the, the genre it's unusual it's yeah. an unusual it's an we you know we sort of wanted to do something different with the genre and my weakness uh oh, my weakness is definitely yeah, i'm filling this with silence i'm waiting for the weakness. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my uh i think which is really useful, actually, to write with Colette, because my my, I would rather underestimate how much plot a novel needs. <laughs> I, I, you know, and that is something that is also true of earlier novels I've written. They're quite, they're just, they're not plot driven. <laughs> they're not plot driven. I don't know what they're driven, driven by. <laughs> Joke driven. Joke driven. Um, yeah. There you go. Well, something that I admired so much when I was reading this, and maybe it's because we're both writers as well, and I am um, loving slash struggling through uh, the second or third draft of my first novel right now. And yeah. Paul, you're, well, I, is it safe to assume that you each took on a character, or was it this truly, and for listeners who haven't read this yet, it's a multiple, um, multiple point of view perspective. <laughs> yeah. We have the husband, the wife, and then the mysteries and don't worry we'll have laid all that out even before this interview so don't don't think we'll just be like diving in cold but the character (laughs) of dan the way he talks about the experience of writing a novel of publishing it and then the space that happens afterwards was Mm. so this endless wasteland (laughs) oh but it just it hurt my heart because i'm like stop talking to my soul (laughs) it was (laughs) it was very impressive and and so i guess i'm not really giving you a very direct question right now except for wow and did you split up the characters or was that a true joint effort at both of them we did a voice each to start with well there's three voices so i i i did emmy the instamum paul did dan the pub husband and the sort of unnamed third third voice um with uh, a terrible 
terrible plan to wreak havoc on the family. Um, but I would say that after the first draft, it was a bit more of a free for all. Once we were in the Google Docs, we were both kind of free. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's definitely there's some disputed lines in there that we're both really proud of (laughs) (laughs) i think of mine and full things so can we Um, expect the annotated google doc version to come out instead of a paperback that's the one that we want yeah we could do the detective work and actually go back and track back yeah we probably could actually um Um, but yeah it's um it was yeah it was much more um at the, be- at the beginning, it was much more sort of divvied up, but it, it, it didn't end up like that. Same for the second novel, actually, which we've just finished. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this Ooh. afternoon. Literally this afternoon. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, congratulations. So, oh, my God. Do we get a little sneak peek? Yeah, can you give us a summary? Is or still is under wraps? Uh, is a, um, it's a sort of thriller murder mystery um, set um, on a, uh, at the opening of a celebrity members club. Like a Soho house? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I couldn't possibly comment. (laughs) As a slight tangent, Soho farmhouse is great. Is it set at Soho farmhouse? Because we think that is beautiful. (laughs) It is dreamy. (laughs) Okay, no comment. Um, (laughs) So... I worked on the launch of Soho Farmhouse. It was uh, it is amazing. It's glorious, yeah. and the porridge there is the best porridge we, we I've had talk in my about, entire life. We talk the, about it all the time. The so, yes, it was amazing. And the triple fat fried fries, chips, chips. Yeah, sorry, are, wait, Colette, are you are you saying that we shouldn't like? You think the porridge is low on the list of things that we should have been excited about? Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been in my top ten. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but we come from America where we just don't do porridge well. Oh, fair enough. Okay. It's so upsetting because yeah. good porridge is so amazing. You just cannot get it in the States. But Cola, I'd also like to share that one of my favorite memories happened at the Soho Farmhouse where we drank a decent amount okay. at dinner. And uh, it was Kate and both of our mothers and they had already gone back to their cottage. And I casually strolled back with my bicycle to talk to a horse for 30 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> back to the cottage. And I thought we were really connected. I felt like this horse saw me and I was like ripping grass out of the ground, which I'm sure I probably wasn't supposed to do and trying to feed the horse. So um, these are the experiences you cultivated. Can't, can't wait to get back. There's <laughs> one amazing looking horse there that's like white with this one really piercing blue eye. Yeah, that was, was that was the one, George. I called him George. I see why you would want to talk to him. That's fair. You actually engaged at Shoreditch House. I forget about that, but we, yeah, we got did. engaged on the roof of Shoreditch House. On yeah. New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. Hmm. Back, back when we went out into the world. I <sighs> know. Oh, do you remember that? <sighs> Fuzzily. Okay, so the the title of the book, people like her. Mm. Where did it come from? Did it come from you all or did it come from the publisher? And also, do you say people like, are you putting the emphasis on people like her? Like, is it a comparison or is it like a a thumbs up? Like people like her. It's both. Or the double tap. What do you think it is? What face do you see first? uh, People like her. People like her. Okay. So like a comparison kind of like people like her. Okay. Um, but it wasn't called that um, when we uh, – it was called These Little Squares mm. um, because that is – I don't know whether it's something that um, uh, you your, your sort of Insta-moms um, would use over there, but it's definitely something that is used by a lot of Insta-moms over here. You know, oh, my life on these little squares. I'm finding it really hard on these little squares. Mm. Um, I'm going to take some time off. Yes. You guys like, this is funny, right? Like we can laugh at that, right? Or is it earnest? No. uh, Well, it said earnestly, yes. Okay. Okay. But, but we laugh at it maybe a little bit. (laughs) Um, but, um, but we were told in no uncertain terms that it sounded like a maths textbook. Um, and so we, um, well, just no one knew that expression. No one knew that. No one was as deep into Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I actually get it at first and then it just became the name of the book. Yeah. But it sounded so like, you know, people live on square, like people might live on squares. Yeah, it didn't. um, I loved it. Um, but it was, I, I, 
<laughs> came up with it, so I would. Um, so then it was. It, it took quite a while to come up with people like her, actually. Um, oh, but we, was, we do love it now. It was almost as hard as coming up with the book. It was. And we had yeah. this long, and you know, you could get a long list of things that you'd send to your agents. Hey, are any of these good? And it was just, you know, word soup. <laughs> you know, murder, and you'd be thinking of these puns, and they're terrible puns. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. Wait. <laughs> so, which one of you, or was it your editor or publisher, who's taking credit for the title now? Do you know what? I couldn't actually. I would. I'm not sure I'd be able to tell you. I can't remember. It was. It was. There was so much back and forth. Um, because we were working with our amazing US and UK editors, Sarah in the um, US and and um, Sam in the UK. And, and then Emma, our agents Emma, as well, agent. Emma agent here and Hillary in the in the states, um, and it just it was the never ending email chain. So I would have <laughs> I would have to go back. So it was actually six people with input, yeah, onto every one of these lists wow. that we plus all of their teams as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. Was, oh, I've just showed it around the office, and you know they the don't young... like it. <laughs> no, yeah. People don't like it. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Have y'all shared or have you spoken to any Insta mums who have read this book? I would be so curious for anyone who actually falls into the real life character of of who Emmy is based on, if you've spoken to people and if it ruffled their feathers in any form. Not not so There's far. Oh yeah, there was um I don't know if you've seen, but there was a pe- the only thing that we have sort of seen is um Vice did a piece um, where they asked an influencer if um, h- how true to life the actual mechanics of it rang. Um, and her answer was very, actually, mm. which really pleased with. Um, but no, apart from that, we sort of haven't really... I mean, we haven't left the house. As <laughs> 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 discussed since last March. So. <laughs> to conduct any on-the-ground research, no house leaving. Well, so... Did when you set up this structure for your Insta mom that she would have these spreadsheets with like posts that would be coming out and she would have you know months or or weeks in advance? Did that come from Colette, like research and, and journalism and just knowing that world, or were you taking a leap of faith that it was as premeditated as you write about in the book? Oh, well, I mean, you know, big influences, like it has to be. You know, it's just like when I'm, uh, you know, L or stylist or wherever, you know, you have to plan your posts. Otherwise, they don't get posted. Or you end up saying the same thing, you know, three times in a week. Or uh, And especially when there's money involved and there's brands involved, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, that is, is obviously something that, um, yeah, it very much is something that happens. I think you probably have to be over a certain level of, you know, it has to be a, a job for that to be a, a thing that, you know, we're not talking about people with a couple of thousand followers that, you know, Instagram about, I don't know, <laughs> their dinner. I'm not sure, but, but you know, but yeah, it, it's like any other business uh, when you get to a certain level. And after having worked on such an in-depth project like this, what is your viewpoint now on Instagram influencing? Just like briefly aside, I think Catherine and I obviously talk a lot about Instagram and it just feels like it's this beast that gobbles up every angle of insight and uh, personal reflection. And maybe now I sound like an uh, an influencer who's not quite getting their words right, but it seems like it's like, okay, body positivity is the thing. And we're all going to like post about that. And we're going to like share it from every angle we can. And then, okay, now, now mental health is the new thing. And it's like, it's like this rolling ball that just gobbles up any actual like real human experience and turns it into a commodity. So I guess I've really loaded the question for you, but like, how do you, (laughs) we love it, (laughs) but how do you see influencing now in Instagram, like how has this changed how you even interact and not even interact with it like on your phone, but interact with it as a concept? I, look, I think, well, first of all, you've got to split out Instagram from, from influencing. You know, there are lots and lots of people who just use it to, you know, share pictures of their family with 
gran, you know, like it, it, I think, I think influencing is a different thing. Um, but I, I kind of hope I, I, I'm, I'm pretty Instagram or influencer agnostic, to be honest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think there's, there's good and bad. I think it depends on the way you consume it as a consumer of it. Um, you know, as I say, I'm sure there are lots and lots of people who find community in it, but I think there are, and that's amazing and wonderful. And that, you know, you find your people and you find your niche and you can, you know, talk to them and, and interact with them. Uh, I think a lot of people, probably more, more people than find community in it do sort of mindlessly scroll as I did. I'm not sure that's particularly good for you. Um, I think it's brilliant that um, women, especially Insta mums, have found a way to monetize unpaid labor. You know, mm -hmm. I think, it's, uh, I, I, you know, but obviously this is, you're also sharing your children's lives. So there, there are, I just think it's massively, massively complicated. And I, I kind of hope that's what we've showed in the book, really. Well, um, I think we've got kind of, that's why there's so much, I mean, why the, the novel is actually really interested in the mechanics of how it works and the mechanics of how you would then, how you would earn a living of it. So I think that's, that, I think that's the important thing that we kind of wanted people to think about and to understand, isn't it? It is a job. Um, and, yeah. you know, because we didn't want to just be kind of, oh, look at these silly people on Instagram. And you kind of, you know, we flip that and think, okay, these people are kind of working hard. And, and They're working and hard. They've built a business. They're often like, you know, entrepreneurs who... Um, have maybe been pushed out of, well, certainly, you know, Emmy in our book is, has been pushed out of. Isn't that um, just her cover story? Oh, yeah, maybe that's her cover story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I brought my own character's cover story. <laughs> Deep brainwashing by the Instagram squares. I love it. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, massively complex. Will it, you know, is it something that's going to last another 10 years? Well, MySpace didn't, did it? I, mm. I, I you know, it's really, uh, who knows? Well, There's, we were just worried they'd change the mechanic before the book came out. Yeah, it's true. And then it was God, really right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I've noticed that both of your personal accounts are private and, you know, between the theme of your book and speaking to parents who have young children, one of our best friends, she started off sharing images of her child when she was more of a baby. And then she went through a phase where she kind of panicked and refused to put images of her up on her social media. And, and she by no means has a million followers or anything like that, but she, I wouldn't say it's a tiny following either. It, it's certainly them. not just for friends and grandparents. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, I mean, we, we throw dog pictures around without their approval, but it, it is a, a fascinating... <laughs> They're pretty pissed about it, but we put them up anyway. ...concept to, since it's not the age we were all raised in to wonder what is it like for a small child to not have any, you know, concept of how they're being used, how their image is being thrown in front of thousands, potentially millions of people, who knows what kind of reach it has. And then to come of age to realize that they grew up in front of strangers to a certain extent. It's just such a fascinating uh, concept. And I, is that something I would assume after Re writing a book like you have that maybe having a private account <laughs> is purposeful yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but i don't think paul has a private account he's just never posted he, he, I, paul's like I, turning to you right now being like my account's private <laughs> <laughs> what's that about I, I, pictures on, I only had it um to see what you were up to and he used to go out and he'd put these on instagram and then i'd know where you were <laughs> which pub you were in <laughs> Which sounds oh, really the good old days. <laughs> Not um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, we don't put pictures of our daughter on uh, Instagram. Everyone that... Um, no, she's hideous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone that, uh, are, you know, I'm friends with on Facebook or uh, Instagram I've met in real life and, you know, some their surname mm. I know um, and I and I don't share pictures <coughs> of, our, of our daughter. I, I just... I don't know, I, I, but I actually don't post very much full stop, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think, yeah, it makes me a bit uncomfortable. I, I, I personally don't think I own her image, so mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think it's my right to share it with other people. But that, that is just a very personal view. 
I have a question here and I'm going to get it out. Okay. Um, so <laughs> do you need a little you were, punch? You weren't here and you can't see me, but like I, I clearly like had a seven different false starts there. Um, <laughs> I think the key thing whenever I read a thriller that I am always, that I always feel like takes like a decent thriller to a very good thriller is like the complicated really nuanced motivation of the, whoever the villain character is going to be. And I, as I was Mm reading, as I was reading this book, you know, there's always that concern that like the authors aren't going to stick the landing on the villain and their motivation. You won't buy it. And all of those questions that I'm, I'm sure both of you talked about at length. What, what was the process like during the editing for who your villain was going to be and why she, she, they, I'll just use my gender neutral pronoun so we don't give anything away, why they were going to take the actions they took. How did that, did that change? And, and how did you both talk about that? How to talk about this without giving away any spoilers. No, yeah, sorry about, yeah. About what we didn't want. Yeah, and I think also the process. So um, we did write half a book uh, which is very similar, actually, to the first half of the book as it as it was published. Um, and then we got stuck because, actually, she was the hardest character. Oh, <laughs> they, well they. Great. Um, so we, now we know she's a woman. <laughs> um, you know, it was the hardest character to write. Um, and Because they're, spe- they're speaking to you, aren't you? As, you know, they're speaking to the reader as a voice and you're kind of piecing together who they are mm-hmm. bit and what they're going to do and why. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what? Um, so, uh, but but you're, yeah. You, it, it was. Um, it's, yeah. It's really hard to. We didn't. We didn't want her to be a typical villain. Um, we wanted her story to be really nuanced. You know, I mean, we were talking about this the other night when we were watching the talented Mr. Ripley is actually where you are rooting at points, in fact, all the way through for the person who's committing all these bloody murders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt Damon traipsing around. Well, yeah, and it oscillates. And, there, and it, it oscillates. So, you know, what we wanted to do, I, I certainly, I, I don't like the concept of an unlikable character um, because I don't think... I think if you're in anyone's head, which you are in a first person narrative, like anyone's going to be unlikable if you've got if you've got completely unfiltered access to their thoughts and all, aren't you? Um, But what we wanted to do was have extreme characters, certainly, um, and we wanted to modulate the reader's sympathy and sort of bounce you. So you know, Mm -hmm. you think, oh, this is what Emmy does. She shows us pictures of her kids. You know, she's kind of. and then to have a switcheroo where she gets, a, you know, where she gets a speech or she gets to demonstrate another side of it. So you're kind of bouncing in sympathy always. And also this threatening character, you're kind of growing in sympathy for them. As well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want, we were quite careful in kind of talking to friends about the plot and things that they would say to us. Kind of being careful and sensitive about what motivates yeah. people as well you know we didn't um, but again i don't think we can really explain more really that, saying, but yeah. a spoiler but yeah without it, falling into some of the <coughs> sort of traps of you know yeah. yeah yeah i thought i thought you you both well ellery lloyd did a fantastic job <laughs> in landing on a, a catalyst for your villain's behavior very believable that was believable but also not outlandish yeah i mean i guess those two things are intertwined but like i i it was something that I could see happening and I could see your, your quote unquote villains response to it as happening as well. And I think those two things are hard to pair together. Um, and before we have, we have our, you know, our most important (coughs) question of, of the podcast coming up, but I'm, I'm interested just because I, I come from a magazine journalism background and I've like tried to write fiction at various points. And I had the perspective before, before I started writing fiction, that these the skills in, in journalism and nonfiction would translate seamlessly. I was very surprised they don't translate <laughs> as well as I want them to. Oh, what, what was what was your process like? How would you describe the difference between like the fiction, the nonfiction muscles, and the fiction muscles? Well, so um, I guess um, first of all, a lot of research, which is what you do as a journalist. 
so that was definitely similar um also i think i think the thing about coming up with features certainly you know when uh, uh, magazines certainly at long lead magazines different in newspapers you have to think okay this this thing is the story now but by the time this magazine comes out which is three four five months down the line your feature is going to have to be a twist on the thing, a quarter turn on the thing, um, or everyone's going to have already read a, a very similar thing mm-hmm. about it. So, and I and I guess for us that was I'd read a lot of you know really great books um, which were there's an influencer and and but and everything looks perfect but actually it's crumbling behind the facade. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, what's a quarter turn on that? And for us, it was an influencer who is incredibly ambitious and very on it, who pretends that her life is crumbling. Um, so, I, so I think that that was useful um, in terms of, um, uh, you know, for being a journalist. Also, you know, I think it probably, it's probably also, I quite like writing in a in a quite kind of, um, sharp, funny way, um, which I hope comes through in the book. <laughs> um, so that was really useful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I think your whole idea of how you approach it is something that you've learned as a journalist because I just can't do that. And I think that's really important. You're thinking about audience. You're thinking about ways of taking this story and making it interesting and who you're aiming it for. You know, and that's just a completely – I think that's such an impressive way of thinking about – about the book, as opposed to me, who would just sit in a cave and write something. <laughs> well, I mean, we know your skill set is sitting down. So, I mean, everything springs from there. Skills, well, sitting, failures, uh, hashtags. Spring to the marketplace. And I have no <laughs> explanation of what it is. Or why. I think <laughs> also, and, but, I, but I, you know, I think, like, you know, your listeners who may, you know, feel like they have a novel in them and want to write, it is about taking a manageable chunk of time and writing a manageable number of words and then doing it again and again and again mm-hmm. until you get a novel. And I do think journalists aren't precious about that, right? Because you have, you know, you've got you've got an eight hundred word column to write, or you've got, you know, a sort of 1,500-word terrible feature that someone submitted that you need to rewrite to go to press. Um, and so you're not precious about words. Mm-hmm. So you're not agonizing over it. I have found anyway. Well, speaking of editing, this is the worst segue possible, but we're just going to go for it. <laughs> you would edit this if this was landed on your desk. This podcast is called Free Cookies. So naturally, the most important question that we always wrap our interviews with is what cookies are you sending us Paul, in the mail? Colette. No. <laughs> what are your favorite cookies slash biscuits? Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's a really oh. good question. Cookies. Oh, I know. Give me I mean, give yourself biscuits, a minute. Right you know? like different things. I, feel- I, do, I don't need a minute. I would say hobnobs. Do you have hobnobs? Hobnobs. Okay, writing Whoa. it down writing tells us because whenever, whenever someone in London is like really excited about a cookie, you got to eat it because it's always so good. <laughs> um, but What's- yeah, they're, a biscuit uh, thing. They're, they're kind of classic biscuit. You're very uh, crumbly. Can't eat them in bed. You dunk them. You dunk them. In- <laughs> yeah. Is this uh, a bed cookie don't eat or them not? In <laughs> bed. Yeah, not yeah, in bed. Hold on. Let me write that down. Um, uh, yeah, they're kind of the, the ones your granddad would have. I yeah. Yeah. I need I need that, a, that I need a more really detailed sexy. description yeah, I, than crumbly. So um, I want to eat them in bed, and my granddad would have had them. <laughs> I don't think the question was about sex. (laughs) Just your favorite. You're right. You didn't know you're going to be judged. Uh, I would say a Tunnock's tea cake. Well, is that a biscuit? Is that a brand or a Tunnock's is a Scottish brand. Okay. It's like a biscuit with a marshmallow. With a marshmallow. With chocolate all over it. Yeah. What What do we call those in the states? S'mores? No, no, that's when you light them up on, on the fire. I don't think. I don't know. Oh, I'm going to look this up. Wait, wait, 
what? Moon pie. Moon moon pie is one version of what we might call that. Although that probably is bigger than yeah, moon pie. yeah. I think a moon pie is bigger. Yeah, uh, the the quite tea, dainty tea cake. Yeah, well, it goes with tea, doesn't it? Paul, can you give us a quick like description of a, a, a hobnob? <laughs> like like. Sweet. <laughs> this this is the hardest thing actually in the novel. Don't like, try and describe something. Like, oh my god! Uh, okay, it's round. It's like a it's like a coaster. Imagine a cork like a coaster. coaster. <laughs> you have no, coasters. Probably, yeah. No, you're just <laughs> muddling the process. <laughs> As I often do. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of flat and round. <laughs> Like um, a biscuit, like a cookie. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. So, so Paul, can I help? Because oh, these are the struggles of art. How much more do I have to describe this? Thing? Wait, Paul, this is great because it's. The, I looked up a picture, and they are called oaty biscuits, and it's sixty percent oat and wholemeal. So. Look, they're yeah. also sweet. They're I think I would say sixty percent oat. I would say the other forty percent is honey. Definitely it's held sugar. Together with yeah. kind of much sugar and honey, isn't it? Which mm. gives it that consistency when you're dunking it. Yeah. There you go. Okay, this is good. Case is pleased. Good. Oatmeal cookies are... It's essentially an oatmeal cookie. Her favorite. And that's my favorite, so... So she feels like she won this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, good taste. Well, thank you both so much for, for taking the time and joining us. And, and congratulations on is it finishing the first draft of this mysterious... Yeah. Posh novel that is going to be coming. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll have we'll be stocking Goodreads to get all the new information for it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all. Um, stay stay safe on your Google Docs in your home in London and in London in general. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Lovely thank talking you. to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that'll do it for today's episode of Free Cookies. You can find all of our goodness at freecookiespodcast.com. You can email us at freecookies at gmail.com. This show is produced by Lindsay Collins. Lindsay. You can listen to Lindsay's podcast, FNB Radio. E-F-F-I-N-B Radio. <laughs> and I'm looking at my wife here because I'm like, she's holding her phone. She's looking at reviews on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you would like to support the show and you haven't already, it is very helpful for us if you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you take the time to leave a little love note, share, subscribe, all those fun metrics that no one really cares about, but it turns out I guess it does something good. But we want to say thank you to the people who actually take time to do that. So a big shout out to MayMay4869. May May, thank May you. May, thank you. But also, I thank you to Sprocket Loves Ruby because Sprocket Loves Ruby, you brought up a very interesting question, and that is, what are our thoughts on the Oxford comma? Like the song, an Oxford comma. Like, do you put it on repeat? <laughs> Vampire Weekend. Who gives a fuck? Which I'd never heard of that song until I talked to you about the Oxford comma because I used to get yelled at for not using the Oxford comma. To which I'm like. But that's my choice. I am in a twisted situation where the AP style, so newspapers and magazines, you only use one comma. You don't use the Oxford comma. Mm -hmm. So I have to, but books use the Oxford comma. So I got, you got to be really nimble. Does all fiction use Oxford comma? Because then I need to go through and make some adjustments. Yes. All, all published book, like book style is to use the Oxford comma. Why is it called the Oxford comma? I assume because there were people in Oxford who thought it was ridiculous to not separate the third, the second and third item with a comma. And they were probably either wearing Oxfords or in mm. Oxford. They could have also been wearing Oxfords. Do you think they just put their foot down in their Oxford and they're like, give me that second comma and give yeah, it to me? They were like, I'm wearing Oxfords and I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> and it's an Oxford comma. Because I'll step all over it. Are Oxfords different than penny loafers? Is it the same as green onions and leeks? Leeks, <laughs> which are not the same. But green onions and something else are the same. No, we were checking out at the grocery store the other day, and the woman held the leeks, and she looked at you, and she's like, what are these? And you just proud as punch. We're like, it's a leek. Yeah, but I, there, there was not as much um, confidence in my answer as I think you gleaned from you it. You did look to me quickly, and when you saw me smile... I thought, it's a leak, but then I thought, mm, it could be a green onion or a, like one of those bulby things that like, it looks like. Um, it's a green onion that's been juicing. Looks like, like, um, like, a, like, a pl like pliers, kind of looks like pliers, you know. A fennel bulb?
Yeah, it kind of goes <laughs> out and then it comes in at the end. <laughs> fennel bulb. That's what looks like pliers. Yeah, yeah. So fennel and We got leaks. a little delay. There was a big Oxford comma in between that thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is, this, this is the best part of the show. Uh, so are we going to make some fennel leek soup? Yeah, fennel leek soup and then we'll top it with the green onion. But what is the green onion also called? Scallion. Scallions! You rap scallion, you. 